everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And boy, oh boy, this is probably the most full weekly recap episode that we've had in quite a long time. Excuse yeah, no me. kidding. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a, a lot of stuff went on this week, and I didn't really notice it until like looking at this outline. <laughs> yeah. But we have a couple of football recruiting notes to go over and some soccer, some volleyball, and then, of course, the both basketball exhibition games. But let's start off with the football recruiting news, starting off with the first person that committed on the exact same day. There were two commits on the exact same day. It was a it's really funny because Connor sent out one tweet and I sent out the other from a Taco Bell drive through. <laughs> uh <laughs> There's no, there's no other funny story to that. That's just the truth. But <laughs> the first one is Wesley Watson from Texas A&M Commerce, a high school down in Texas. Obviously, Connor, what do you have on Wesley? Yeah, Wesley. He was originally an SMU commit. Then Colorado came in as his first Power Five offer, and then he subsequently committed to them. But then they just went through a coaching change. So he opened up his options and then visited K-State and committed just a handful of days later. Uh, he's a three-star receiver. Um, some notable stuff about his game uh, is that he does have really great speed um, and also good size. He's 6'2", 185, um, and his uh, his speed is really good. He runs around a 4'4", uh, like a true laser 4'4". Uh, and his release is really good as well, too. He gets off the line uh, really effectively, and he's he's advanced in that department. Uh, his hands, I, I didn't notice any major issues with his hands and watching film. And again, he's not going to put drops in his film. So, it, you know, that's, that's a the, maybe a bit of a bias based on what I'm seeing. But I, I like him a lot. I like his physical traits and physical attributes. Um, he, he's good at getting his hands out, uh, to catch the ball as opposed to body catching. Um, he definitely has room to grow and just in general, uh, he, I, I'd say he's kind of flying under the radar as a recruit right now. I, I think he's better than his rating suggests. Uh, he's not like a four star or anything, but he should probably be at least like maybe a 0.86 to 0.87. He's a 0.845 right now, which I mean, that's kind of splitting hairs, honestly, but I, I'd put him a little bit higher than where he is. Um, but, and he did have, uh, uh, some other notable offers, obviously, uh, formerly committed to Colorado and SMU. Uh, he had a Houston offer as well, an Oklahoma state offer, and then a Utah offer as well as a host of group of five schools, uh, that I, I won't list all of them. Um, uh, but yeah, Tulane's he on the list. Tulane is on the list. So, uh, some, some notable competition, but he um, definitely had some uh, good suitors around him. Uh, Oklahoma State is notable just because I think of their offensive style. Uh, Utah as well. They're, both teams like to pass the ball a lot. So Wesley Watson getting offered by those schools is notable, at least to some degree. Um, but yeah, all around, Wesley Watson really is a good pickup. Uh, and he's another addition to what's probably the best receiver class for K-State in years. And uh I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do in the future. I'd imagine it'll be a little while before we see him 
especially with uh, the way that our offense is run now, where we really don't rotate receiver at all. I mean, it's really just the top three guys, and that's it. So I I imagine it'll be a bit before we see Wesley Watson, but I do really like him. Yeah, I agree. The main thing that came that you know came out with me is uh, other than his huddle being in a different name, which is Wesley Greaves. <laughs> Yeah, then there was also, I believe, another source that um, had him as Wesley Johnson. So (laughs) there's a a grand mystery as to what his real name is. All the recruiting services have him as Watson, so I'm going to roll with that. I mean, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see what he ends up on the roster in a year. But yeah, the number one thing that, you know, pops out to me is when you consider how the rest of the receiving class has tuned out, um, you have Andre Davis, who's a big-bodied contested catch receiver. You have uh, Jace Brown. Is it Jace? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's Jace Brown, also from Florida, who's that more finesse, you know, route-running receiver. And now you have a deep threat. So, realistically, you have all three of the main, quote-unquote, main roles for receivers in a typical college offense. So. You know, I that it's a good thing to have, especially because of what we'll be losing. Because you have, you know, we're definitely losing Malik. We're losing Cade. He's out of eligibility. And I think Brooks has like the COVID year if he wants it, but that's not guaranteed. So getting that complete receiving room and a receiving class is very important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. We always were going to be taking uh, at least three receivers in this class. Um, if we really wanted to push, if we found a guy that we really like, we could probably even take one more if we wanted to, uh, depending on who else coming back. Cause I think Cade's out of eligibility. Uh, then Malik, I, I think he's out of eligibility as well. Brooks is like a, maybe on coming back or not. And then we'll probably have one or two guys transfer out just cause it is a very crowded room at the younger levels right now. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but But yeah, next up is the commitment of the left tackle from Lakeland, Florida, and that is David Voss. And, you know, like I said, he's a three-star tackle from Florida. I'll, I'll go over the offer sheet this time. He had offers from Vanderbilt, Appalachia State, Pitt, KU, and MU, among several others. And the number one thing that stuck out to me is he's athletically gifted at the left tackle position. He's extraordinarily strong, and even though his running form looks a little bit off, you can tell that he's you know plenty fast. But it's worth noting that this was his first year playing offense. So it's a little bit like Asher Tomaszewski, but in reverse, to where Asher was predominantly a guard who we're recruiting to play uh, nose tackle, and Devin Voss was formerly a defensive tackle or defensive end that we're now recruiting. And because he's playing it, in high school, he's playing at left tackle. So athletically gifted, technically raw. Yeah, let's give Connor Riley that. <laughs> That's never worked out in his favor before, except all the times that it has. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, don't know. I I really like Devin Voss, and it's worth noting that uh, on top of those offers that he had, which the pit offer came the day that he committed to K-State, which was uh, just a couple days after his official visit, uh, Clemson and Florida have been poking around 
uh, at Devin Boss. He's a Florida uh, native, or at the very least, he plays his high school ball there. Um, he uh, um, still, despite getting more offers uh, by the day, uh, he committed to K-State anyways. I think that says a lot about what he thinks about K-State and his fit. Um, so Clemson and Florida poking around. Um, I'd be more worried about that if he'd actually decided to wait on that, but he obviously knows, knows that that's happening since he's a guy being recruited and he decided to commit to K-State regardless. So, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely very interested in that. And he's definitely a bit of a late bloomer. It seems like just moving to the offensive side of the ball. Um, he has very long arms. He's very athletic. Uh, he moves laterally very well, which is kind of ironic because one of the big weaknesses in his game right now is his drop step isn't great. Um, but he does move pretty well in space. It looks a little awkward at times, but he does get where he needs to go and does it quickly. And, uh, he can change direction pretty well. He's, he's a very athletically gifted left tackle prospect and he's pretty big already too. Uh, he's, uh, already six, five, two seventy, Um, and he's probably still growing a little bit. Um, but yeah, 24, seven has him as a 0.8478 in their composite and 85, uh, in their in-house grade that makes him the 95th offensive tackle according to 24, seven in the country, 111th in their composite, uh, on three is, a little bit more generous with their in-house ranking for him. They gave him uh, an 86 and it makes him 65th best offensive tackle in the country. Um, but I, don't know, I really like his film a lot. I can absolutely see why the staff was drawn to him as a prospect, despite him kind of popping up pretty recently. Yeah. Um, he's another one of the, uh, it feels like they do it every year where there's just like two or three guys that pop up kind of later in the cycle and you look at their film and you're like, how did this guy stay hidden this entire time? Last year was Ryman, although he went way later than Devin Voss did. Yeah. Um, but I like him a lot. He plays at a really, really good program, uh, Lakeland. Uh, they're um, one of the best uh, high school teams in the country, uh, which makes it even more surprising that he flew under the radar as a starting left tackle for uh, such a good program. But he... He is technically raw. Um, again, that's how most of the offensive linemen we get are. Um, not always, but a lot of a lot of the time. Uh, he's kind of similar to uh, Jackson Fulmer in that he is pretty new to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, although Fulmer has a bit more experience, um, but I like Devin Voss quite a bit. Um, he, I, I, th- I think that he does really have potential to be a starter on this team based on his film, especially with this being his. I'm giving him a lot of grace because it is his first year. Uh, playing left tackle, which makes his film more impressive because he really is quite good. He does have things he needs to clean up, like his drop step and whatnot, but he moves laterally really well. He is a Simon sound, and when he gets his hands on you, it's very difficult to disengage, and he's probably going to pancake you. So he 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 is really good despite being uh, fairly new, kind of a novice to the position, uh, but I'm I'm absolutely fascinated by what Connor Riley uh, could do. Uh, I've given him a year or two in the weight room and uh, uh, some additional technical instruction. Devin Voss could really become a problem. I, I also don't know if it's Voss or Vass, but I've been saying Voss. So, yeah, I, I I've been saying Voss. I'm not sure if it's Vass. It's one of those things where we're, 
we'll find out in a year that we've been mm-hmm. pronouncing it wrong like you know past story but yeah. <laughs> which that was a shame or a uh, lane gang you know, lane gang because we thought it was lane gang for the longest time people but... still do that <laughs> and you know what that's fair i i get the alert to want to call an offensive lineman whose last name looks like line gang line gang that's not how you say it though <laughs> no, it's it's lane gang yeah which is such a shame i mean pronounce your name however you'd like the line gang would be pretty cool yeah but yeah that's the football recruiting news now we can start talking about the other football which is k-state soccer in our first ever appearance in the big 12 tournaments for soccer we had the unfortunate distinction of meeting the texas longhorns and got yeah. smoked nil four yeah um, what can you say really very very little um i watched the first half of this game and i mean they they really did get more offensive chances than i thought that they would um especially in the first half they had a few moments where they truly should have had a goal and it just like they had a few hit off of like the upper crossbar uh and case they definitely should have scored in this match they offensively performed better against texas than i think we're used to seeing although texas did just have an absolute onslaught from the 26th minute to the 34th minute that's where they scored three of their goals uh holly ward had one in the 26th minute emily jane cox in the 28th minute just a few a little bit later and then uh lexi missimo uh, in the 34th minute uh made a penalty kick it was a penalty on elena wehrmeyer uh, and then Trinity Byers uh, put one away in the 70th minute to make it 4-0. Uh, Casey had 10 shots in this game, 7 on target. So they, when they were getting their opportunities, they were making, they were at least getting them close. Texas had 20 shots, 9 on target. It's pretty bad disparity, but honestly better than I expected. Yeah. Um, saves were roughly even five for k-state seven for texas texas did double us up and more than double us up in corners 15 to 7 and k-state fouled 11 times at texas's six and then two yellow cards are given out marissa weichel in the 16th minute and trinity byers in the 66th minute so yeah unfortunate result um i i can't say that i'm surprised um at all so i wasn't disappointed uh if nothing else is was a step in the right direction getting to uh, the tournament. Yeah, we had to pay, face his hot team in the conference, which I mean, that could happen to anybody. Um, but I I was happy that we uh, we made it. It was the first time that we've done it. And growth is probably going to continue to be incremental. Um, but I, I, I was, yeah, of course, disappointed in the score. Um, but defense needed a lot of work, um, and controlling in the midfield needed a lot of work, but at least when we had chances, we were doing something with them, not getting, not even getting points, but, uh, just making, getting competitive shots is honestly a step up on this Texas, like, like compared to how we've played in the past against Texas, like putting up competitive shots, like, like actually means something. Like and like make them work to defend it. That is a step up from what, how we've competed against them in the past. So again, that that's a little bit sad to say, but regardless, at the end of the day, that is a, a bit of a step up. Um, so I'm not gonna be upset with how the soccer season ended at all. I mean, we finally made it to the Big 12 tournament. That was our goal coming into the year. Uh, Ace and I, that was our goal for the team, yeah. and they accomplished that. So 
I, I won't sit here and say this was like a phenomenal season or anything, but no. it was probably the best season that they've ever had. So no, it's 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 the best season we've ever had as a soccer program, and you know they're that's worth commending. You know, it's all we wanted was progress, and we have shown tangible progress, and that counts for a lot. But that's that's it for the soccer season. But we do have one honor to give away. Not well, the Big Twelve had an honor that they gave away that we're covering, and that is Jasmine Brown was named to the All Big Twelve freshman team. So congratulations to Jasmine Brown. Thank you, and hopefully you, you know, bright future ahead for both the K-State soccer program and Jasmine Brown at K-State. Yep. Jasmine Brown is totally deserving of that award. Um, as a, a freshman, I thought that she looked like our best defender more often than not. Um, so she's going to be a really nice piece to build around on the back line. Uh, that, was, that was something you and I identified pretty early, was she really stood out amongst uh, uh, the rest of the defenders on the team uh, in terms of her impact and as well as starting to begin the year. Uh, which is very impressive for a true freshman just right out of high school. So hoping that her uh, career continues its trajectory uh, and it's a, it's upward momentum. Yep. But that's all we're going to be able to cover for soccer for the rest of the year. But now we can move on to volleyball. Oh boy, volleyball. <laughs> all right. We have two matches to cover. The first was up against the University of Texas, number seven, no, number two in the country, Texas. And well, we won a set. We lost one three, but we won a set. And uh, it broke down like this. K-State won the first set 25-23 and then lost the second set 25-13, to then lost the third set 25-16, to then the final set 25-21. to So... Um. Yeah, the the middle sets were were rough, exceedingly rough. <laughs> yeah, uh, getting that win in the first set is nice, but I mean, I I'm not really in the mood with uh, the volleyball team to like give out moral victories like I just did for the soccer team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Texas; they're an Olympic team. I I didn't expect to win. Uh, but I mean, it, it, this is partly frustration from the next game, uh, flowing over through, uh, but yeah, winning that first set and then not really doing anything with it. That's kind of been par for the course. It feels like with volleyball this year, just not really clutch at all. Uh, and generally really struggling to get things done. Um, Haley Warner had 16 attack attempts, five kills, one error, uh, Lauren Hinkle had 34 sets, uh, two aces, uh, 10 digs, and then uh, had four kills and five attempts. Sydney Bolding, seven kills, 12 attempts, two errors. Uh, then two digs as well. Um, Elena Baca, 31 attack attempts, seven kills, four errors. Uh, Leah Carter was actually negatives on her hitting percentage, 37 attack attempts, eight kills, nine errors. A lot of those kills came in the first set as well, as I recall. Katie Fernholz hit all right. Uh, 29 attack attempts, nine kills, two errors. And Shaley Myers had a pretty rough uh, match as well. 15 attack attempts, two kills, two errors. Uh, Mackenzie Morris added uh, 17 digs. But I mean, this was just a case of Texas just being substantially better than us in every like 
like recognizable way. Yeah. Um, because I mean, there were many times where they would simply jump over our defense, like hit the ball for our defense, hit it harder than we would. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I, I, I was upset at the beginning of this. I'm not gonna sit here and get like, like relentlessly angry about us losing to the United States Olympic team. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's just not a good use of time. Um. Yeah, we did not play well at all, and I'd like to see more competitiveness. But I can't say that we didn't see this coming. Uh. So. A little aggravating to lose that fourth set when you had it tied at 17, but you know, it is what it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, you want to talk about aggravating? Yeah, the next the next volleyball match. It's the sun the second half of the Sunflower Showdown going down in Lawrence, Kansas. And we just got swept. It was 25, 23, 25-16, then 25-15. It it's just so it's frustrating, frankly, because this this is a team that has a great deal of talent. You know, this isn't this isn't just some like collection. It's not like we're a bad team. It's not like it's a team that started existing seven years ago. It we just find ways to lose. Yeah, um. I mean, at one they had this match, uh, or the the first set, I should say, they had a tie twenty two all, and then uh, twenty four to twenty three, they were down. Uh, so they were right there in that first set, and then sets two and three just completely fell apart. And uh, just, uh, I mean, like I was checking score updates as I was going. I was like, okay, close first set, we should compete in these next two, and then we just kind of we just didn't. Um, just not a good showing at all, especially in a rivalry game. I mean, you, you got to show up better than how they did. I get KU is a, is a pretty good team this year, but I mean, we should be registering a set victory against KU, if nothing else, uh, especially after blowing uh, our home match to them. I mean, a, a very frustrating uh, performance. I uh, you, you go up the up and down the uh, score sheet for K State, and really the only person that had a particularly good offensive night, other than Elena Baca's Haley Warner, nineteen attack attempts, nine kills, three errors. Baca twenty-seven attack attempts, nine kills, three errors, um, and then nine digs as well. So pretty versatile there. Uh, Mackenzie Morris had seven digs, kind of low for her standards, but that's what it is. Lauren Hinkle had twenty-seven sets. Um, main attackers, uh, Leah Carter wasn't phenomenal. She had 15 attack attempts, four kills, an error. Shaley Myers was okay, 24 attack attempts, six kills, zero errors, but just not enough there. Um, would really like to see more out of this team, which I, I, I don't think that we're asking much, um, uh, just to, to get a set out of this, but I mean, it seems like one of our big issues has been defense because it seems like every match there's uh, at least one or two players on the other team that are hitting at ridiculous rates, barely committing errors. And it's pretty much they get a kill if they want it. Uh, it happened against KU. They had uh, two players hitting above 500, four total hitting 400 or higher. Grants of one of the 400 ones, only five attempts. So that's asterisk. Uh, oh, they had somebody hitting 750 as well, six of eight. I mean, offensively, KU was pretty much doing whatever they wanted. 
unless they had like a self-inflicted issue, uh, especially in those latter uh, latter sets. Uh, just, I don't know, this team is really struggling against higher quality competition, which is very frustrating because this was a, a tournament team last year. And they uh, were very competitive against some really good teams last year. And we gave them the benefit of the doubt, gave them a lot of grace. Um, and this year has been pretty, pretty disappointing for the most part, which is, which is very unfortunate because I, I, I like watching volleyball. I, I, I want to get more into the sport and I'm excited for the new arena to open up next year. Um, but it, it's very aggravating that it seems like we just can't quite get over the hump. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating and that that's all I can really say. Next matchup is in Ames up against number 25 in the country, Iowa State. So we'll we'll see how that goes. And I, I'm going to flip the outline here because, you know, uh, I just figured out that the women's team doesn't have stats recorded for the Fort Hayes State exhibition. That's a shame. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the women's catskiball exhibition up against Fort Hayes State. Uh, K-State ended up winning 74 to 63. Uh, I got to sit courtside because they were just giving courtside tickets away to students who showed up early. So congrats. Yeah, that was it was actually a really cool experience. Uh, the basketball team, the men's basketball team were actually sitting right behind where I was. Oh, awesome. And they were trolling the women's team a little bit. <laughs> rude <laughs> yeah it, it was in good fun though but it's good yeah so we won 74 to 63 i have concerns i <laughs> i have concerns um that's fair that's fair <laughs> most of which comes down to the fact that we don't really have a functioning five and our best option there is true freshman eliza Moppin. And that is because she is a monster athlete who could really play just about anywhere. But yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a definitely frustrating game. I uh, kind of got out to a decent start, but really just continued to let it stay close until they, they finished pretty strong. Um, some, yeah, I wish that we had stats for this, but um, be nice. Yeah. Gabby Gregory, uh, she, uh, shot pretty decently and uh, s- somewhat limited action. Uh, Sundell was all right. Uh, Bradley Glenn had 15 points. Uh, Gregory had 22. Uh, they have a few stats in the uh, recap. Um, but yeah, Sundell had seven points, eight assists, seven rebounds, and two steals. Um, and they shot 38% from three. Um, they they were all right. Defensively needs some work. Definitely need a five. Uh because uh there there's just not really somebody that can play that spot right now that I have any faith in. Uh I will say Eliza Maupin, we've been excited about her all offseason. And she was every time she stepped on the floor, she was the most athletic person on the floor. Uh she was awesome. Uh she was doing things that nobody on the team can do. Uh she really she just needs to develop from a skills uh, perspective. Uh, just just needs to learn the game a little bit more. I mean, she's a freshman at the end of the day, but athletically she can do things that most can't. Uh, Ryan Smoller was saying on the uh, broadcast that she can dunk, 
that she has dunked in practice. Uh, so that that would be pretty awesome to see, like in a, a breakaway fast break, uh, Liza Malpin dunking in game because I would definitely get on Sports Center. Um, yeah, so we Bramlage would probably, you know, the people there would probably lose it. Yeah, as they should. But <laughs> she she looked really good. Um, uh, she's very versatile. I'm really looking forward to seeing what she can do. We saw a lot of other young players. Uh, Jamia Harris kind of uh, stood out, I felt, uh, amongst the younger players at point guard. Uh, showed a diverse skill set. Pretty good at distributing. And uh, was able to get some shots up and drive a little. Um, but all around, they were fine. Which is weird because there were a lot of good individual performances. But as a whole, there was a lot left to be desired. And then, of course, the gaping hole at the five spot that is being left by Ayoka Lee. Like, yeah. it, we knew it was going to be tough to replace that. Um, but, I mean, it it's, it's going to be tough. Like, like all I'm going to say. So, I mean, this the season went from Big 12 title contending to um, maybe making postseason, like, very fast. Um, but luckily Ayokali will be back uh last or next year and actually has two more years of eligibility, so might get two years of Ayokali. Um, but yeah, it could be a bit of a rough year uh this year. But again, it's one game, it was an exhibition, so I'd like to see more domination than an eleven point win. But other big news, Heavenly Greer escaped NCAA jail. She finally played, and I was so happy for her. <laughs> Congratulations, Heavenly Greer, on finally getting to play basketball at Kansas State University. But yeah, I the women's basketball team has another scrimmage the day this comes out, I do believe, or not a scrimmage, but an exhibition the day this comes out. Mm-hmm. So obviously support the women's basketball team if you can. Now we can talk about the men's basketball exhibition, which was significantly less concerning. And that was a victory up against Washburn, 76 to 49. And, you know, we could go through the all the stats, but at the end of the day, I feel like stats are, you know, for an exhibition game, you can kind of take them or leave them. I will go, well, obviously, whenever the season starts up more, we'll go into individual stats. But I want to talk more generally about this team because... I have already fallen in love with this team. Yeah, <laughs> they are an inherently likable squad just from watching them. I w- I'm going to cheat. I'm, I am going to use one stat and it's Drew yeah, Colbert no. getting five blocks. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Just because I think that is absolutely hilarious because he got five blocks in nine minutes of game time. And then like he had two field goals made and I think they were both dunks i think i think so uh but he he looks really good in his limited action uh and obviously there were some chemistry issues where you know guys weren't reading each other's minds like you would expect from uh like a team that had played together for a while i mean this was their first time on the floor for a uh extended period of time like in a live action game setting uh desi sills has literally been here for like two weeks and <laughs> Like, like he looked really good. He dished out seven assists in 20 minutes. I uh, didn't make a field goal, but it is what it is. Um, but there are a lot of really like exciting things about this team. Um, for one, they 
they they played it with such an intensity that I feel like we haven't seen as much recently, if at all. I mean, they played with more intensity in a game that didn't count than we saw for most of the last few years of the Bruce Weber era. I mean, they were getting to the floor constantly. There were so many jump balls. There were uh, the team. They were fast, unbelievably fast, very athletic. Um, This is a team filled with athletes, rim runners, uh, guys that'll break someone's ankles, uh, throw out a flashy pass. This is going to be a very, very fun team to watch. And another thing they can do this that last year's team really struggled with is they can rebound. They were rebounding at a really good rate, especially offensive rebounds. Uh, Naquan Tomlin, David Gasson especially had really good nights in the offensive rebounding department, which again, you could say something good about basically everybody that saw the floor, I think. Like for one, Keontae Johnson, he looked like the general of this team. I, I, I felt like Keontae Johnson, when he stepped on the floor, he just had a presence about him and the way that he played, he was just better than everybody else. <laughs> and he knew it and everybody else knew it. And he he is definitely the on the floor like basketball wise leader of this team. Um, I I was really excited to, to watch him play. Uh, and then of course Dave, David Gasson was somebody that like kind of surprised me. I felt he played very well. I thought and has a really interesting skill set because I think he could truly guard the one through the four at six foot nine and incredible wingspan and he's very athletic. Another very fun player to watch. I've talked for a while that Utah case. Yeah, I, 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 it's just so, I, I get so excited thinking about this team because outside of rebounding, we finally learned how to play against his own defense. We did. We did. I, and I like that uh, Washburn tested that. They were like, is this still like Bruce Weber, K State, where if you throw a zone at them, they just like, like spontaneously combust. No, we uh, uh, threw a lob up to Tyke Green and he threw it down for a highlight reel dunk. And Washburn said, we are never doing that again. <laughs> Fair. And didn't. And I did not. So, but I mean, you could say so much about everybody on this team. I feel like uh, Cam Carter jumps off the page as somebody that uh, I think we expected to be good and be a big contributor, but he is doing more sooner than I thought that he would is I think a good way to put it. Um, then like Marquise Noel's Marquise, he uh, was sloppy at times. Other times looked absolutely incredible. We, you know what you're getting with Marquise. Okay. Naquan Tomlin was another incredible athlete. He's like six, nine to 15 to 20 and went uh, from the wing and did like a Euro step layup like smoothly and gracefully, <laughs> which is unfair. Like, like he will be with that level of athleticism. Uh, he will be an NBA player, and he attempted three pointers in this game as well. Uh, so I mean, like six foot nine with that skill set, he's going to be a problem if he can really put it together. And then you have five offensive rebounds as well. Yeah, it's oh, I'm excited for this team just because the the way that the roster is constructed is I don't I I don't see any big weaknesses. I think the biggest question I had was. 
was at the five. And then we figured out, oh, wait, no, we we casually just have two. We have Obayami, who's really freaking good on defense. And then Jarrell Colbert, who just decided that he was going to be in for nine minutes, but he was going to make the nine minutes count. And he was going to bully everyone on that court. Yeah, Colbert was really, really good off the bench. I don't I'm not going to set the expectation of five blocks a game from Jarrell Colbert or uh, like whatever it is. Uh, he he looked really good. He was bullying people. He blocked a dude into the stands and then helped him up, which was just a shame. That's even more uh, disrespectful than it really was. <laughs> I thought um, he was good. Um, Igiola moved better than I expected him to, although Colbert definitely does move a lot better than Igiola. Um, Ishmael started, which was kind of surprising to me. Honestly, I kind of thought that Naquan Tama would start in his spot, um, but Masood was fine. He uh, played sparingly. I mean, there was a lot of rotation in this game, so we didn't see, you know, a ton of any one person. Uh, he, uh, uh, he, he played enough and he made a couple of shots. He had a nice fadeaway and then he made a three as well. Um, but there's just so many guys on this team that athletically is very easy to get out to get very excited about. Uh, cause I mean, you go up and down the list and there's not a bad athlete on this team, really. I mean, you could say Giola is like, not like an above average athlete, but even so he would have been the most athletic big on the team last year, other than Casey with a like healthy knee, like well, which he even had. then, like, I still think Giola is more athletic than a healthy Casey Ziegu. So, I mean, this is, if nothing else, a very athletic team, a very driven team, a high motor team. And they they they're just a lot of fun to watch like we keep coming back to that but it's like a breath of fresh air to watch them play because even when they're throwing shots up and they aren't making them as much as you'd like to think they're they've got a really athletic guy going up and getting the offensive rebound and they were making shots at the rim at a really good rate i think i saw they made like 66 percent of their shots like that were like layups or close to the bucket uh something like that um but I don't know. There, there was every guy that you saw on the floor. I feel like you could have a reason to be excited about them for one reason or another. Even somebody like um, uh, Anthony Thomas, who didn't play a ton, um, but it's so fascinating to have a guard with his dimensions, where he's like six seven with incredibly long arms. Uh, that uh, he, he's not built like a normal guard. And then Taj Manning, he played five minutes as a true freshman, and he had two. Uh, two buckets and three rebounds and looked pretty good, honestly. Uh, kind of further along than I thought. I doubt we see much of him this year, but he's further along than I anticipated. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess for you, Ace, what are some of, like, we talked a lot about positives, which I like doing because positives are good, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, uh, were, is there anything that you walked away uh, concerned about like not even it doesn't even have to be to like a like season ending degree just like something that they, the team needs to fix well yeah like it's like you said earlier and tang said in the interview it's it's stuff that's just gonna get better by playing together because they ended up what having 19 yeah 19 turtle turtle turnovers yeah total turnovers <laughs> and you know a lot of that is just they haven't played together enough i think that that's something that gets solved with time if we could control the turnovers and just have like, you know, a positive like ratio there, we're, this team's dangerous. It's genuinely dangerous. Yeah. 
Yeah. And this team, uh, Jerome Tang said a few times his goal was to keep it under 11 turnovers uh, per game. Good luck with that. Um, I, I That will not be my expectation. I... Uh, this is I think this is really a team that just needs to have more assists and turnovers to keep turnovers under like probably about 14, I'd say. Um, but they were so aggressive uh defensively. They had 12 steals. Cam Carter had three, Marquise and Keontae had two apiece, and a bunch of other guys had one. I mean, they they were so much fun to watch defensively. Marquise basically played the same role that he did last year uh on defense, which was just go annoy the person with the ball but do it more <laughs> and, uh, like, like everything's like ramped up to 11 the defense was outstanding for a lot of this game not just with like block shots and whatnot uh but they just really played well and um, while there were some communication issue- issues offensively like with turnovers defensively most of the time other than when it was primarily backups and the communication was really good it seems like Again, lay perspective. It's been a few days since this game happened. I'm wrong, but I I felt like defensively they communicated really well, um, and their defense. Uh, they're going to be a defensively focused team, of course. But I, I, I actually really liked watching them play defense just because of how aggressive they were. Um, but yeah, they again just really really fun team to watch, and. If I were going to add something to like the taking care of the ball that they need to work on, uh, I'd say it's free throws. They got to the line a, at a really high rate, uh, 29 free throws in this game, uh, which I really liked, but they only hit 15 of them. So barely above 50%. They definitely need to work on that. And they know that. I mean, free throws, that's luckily one of the easier things in basketball to fix because you can do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they, they have at the very least accomplished drawing the foul they just need to work on uh converting those free throws at a higher rate which is what it is uh, i'd imagine that will continue to improve uh it might even be better in their first game i'd imagine they'll be shooting a lot of free throws uh this week but i mean yeah we we've we've talked generally for a while and a lot of it just comes back to how much fun this team is to watch how fun the coaches are on the sidelines uh, to watch how good of a, how in tune and in sync and comfortable uh, Jerome Tang looked on the sideline. Um, And uh, there were a few moments even where after something big happened, it seemed like the coaches were getting up uh, and they were like raising their arms up and like, like like trying to get the student section more into it. So even during games, you know, they were, uh, looking on, uh, towards the students to be like the heart of the arena. Yeah, and it which, was it was a great turnout from the students. Yeah, and honestly, really, it was a good turnout period. I saw the attendance was 6,800, which like is like okay. But if you go back to last year, 6,800 eclipses all, but I think four or five of the games, which was Marquette, KU, Iowa State, and then there was one other game that had more than that, but I don't remember which it was. Um, it might have been like Texas Tech, maybe, but I I, I can't recall off uh, the top of my head. It was not Texas Tech, um, but it, it was uh, all around a, uh, a a good crowd, it seemed like, from uh, the the live stream, at least. So. Yeah. Yeah, although definitely a student-focused 
crowd is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a fun basketball season, no matter what, it's going to be a fun one. But yeah, that wraps up the news segment. Now we can go into everyone's favorite segment, which is the wacky segment of the week. This week's question is not at all inspired by anything. I promise. Uh, If you, (laughs) if you could get the all 22 for any game on the schedule, be it past or future, which game are you choosing? Uh, you go first because this one is definitely a uh, di- directed at you <laughs> question. Hmm. I would probably end up picking. I'd actually probably go with a future game, and I would actually say I would really like to get the all twenty-two for whenever we play Baylor, just by virtue of I really want to know more about Baylor's defensive scheme just because I think it's interesting. I don't think I'd be able to like apply anything from it, but I think it'd be really cool to learn more about Bailey's defensive scheme just because of how David, David, wow, Dave Miranda runs it. But, um, you know, there's, there's someone who has all 22 of the Oklahoma state game out there. Mm -hmm. I'm not angry about (laughs) it. I'm not frustrated about it. I just disappointed. I I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) um if i had to pick a game i would say either um a game like in the future like a like an undisclosed game like in a future season or i i'd really like to see i'd say maybe a game from like 2012 like I, I want to get all 22 from like when Snyder 2.0 was really clicking on all cylinders. And if not that, then maybe like a game from like 1998, because I'd really like to dig into that offense and just how it was so effective. And then also that defense, because like those defenses back then were just absolutely ludicrous. So, I mean, yeah, so there's some older games, um, but I mean, Oklahoma State would be pretty fun too. Um, yeah. l- a lot to take in there honestly 2019 OU would be a good one because that was a game where we really gashed them uh and I would like to know why because that <laughs> that still confuses me to this day just like how easily we were able to run on them at times yeah anything else uh no I don't I don't have anything else all right well, then this up ep- this wraps up this episode of the Aggie Bow Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggie Bow A Cats. That's capital A, capital A, capital C and Cats. If you want to email us, we're AggieVilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Bouncesor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.